This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. Welcome to the belated podcast episode 277. We are the Fight Disciples. This is dedicated to the world of boxing. If it's the first time you've ever come across us, you can subscribe via iTunes. Please do so. Uh, and you can also get us on our website, fightdisciples.com. Every episode that we ever do, interviews, radio shows, you name it, it's up there so you can get your full fix uh, throughout the course of fight week. We apologize for last week. The reason there were no episodes um, that had my voice or uh, Nick Pete's voice on is because Nick um, was uh, otherwise uh, engaged with an illness that he was battling. It was a severe illness that had him bedridden. Um, and we made a decision on the Sunday night ahead of the Monday morning recording that he just couldn't um, speak well enough in order to be coherent for the Fight Disciples uh, audience. So we called off last week. So we apologise for that. So we know that uh, you've been you've been waiting uh, for our take on various uh, fights. Um, but I'm delighted to say that Nick has made the trip from Liverpool to Manchester today to my house in order to record uh, today's show. Now, he is sounding a little bit different. So I know that there's going to be a bit of correspondence on social media uh, regarding the state of his voice. Uh, but I'm delighted uh, to welcome him back to the show. How are you, mate? You well? I am feeling much better now, thank you. Quincy ate my throat and vocal cords up pretty bad. <laughs> Having the infection drained from my throat by a giant syringe was fucking mad. The little Asian nurse was loving it when I finally arrived at the ear, neck and throat clinic. She was dying to have a go at draining it. She took one look and went in there, swishing away like Darth Vader in the Clone Wars. My throat was totally cabbage for a week. Got it as well, cause this past weekend was teeming with great fights, especially in the UFC. <laughs> Don't worry, we're not doing the whole show like that. Just call me Professor Hawking. <laughs> Legit, last Sunday, he phoned me up and he said, Yeah. Right, are you, well, I can't even do the voice that he had last week because it was absolutely bizarre. In fact, I might still have it on my phone. I need to find it. Because <laughs> he, he, he kept sending me voice notes last week of uh, of correspondence. Yeah, have we got any here yet? This time last week, I literally couldn't speak. I literally couldn't speak. I had a tennis ball lodged in the back of my throat, which was the infection. This is the best of my talking ability. <laughs> I this hurts too. So we'll do some proper call. Doing the right thing. Even though it's a twat my parents have got a show. That's basically that was basically how I was talking. That's how last Nick week. sounded last week, yeah. yeah. So we made a call on Sunday night, right? That we weren't gonna do the show because it just wouldn't be fair on you because you wouldn't be able to tell a word that he was saying. And then he phoned me and uh, and basically said, Have you got one of them things where I can type into the computer and then it'll <laughs> give me a Stephen Hawking voice? He wanted to do the whole show like that last week. <laughs> Hence him doing his gag at the start of this week's show. Go on then, put your apology out because people... Listen, I've had so much shit over the last seven days. It's been ridiculous. Yeah. I went to a kid's party at the weekend where people were shouting... Heckling you. Heckling me, saying, Oi, where's the podcast been this week? Nothing to do with me. My mate's ill, right? Then, just to just to cement the idea that I actually do fuck all on this show and then all I just edit it and upload it and I've no <laughs> knowledge whatsoever. All I've had all week off people that listen to this show is, told you, told you you were a fucking nobody on this programme. Yeah. That's it. You just cemented the idea that I'm just here to... Press record for you. That's it. You better pray you don't get sick anytime soon because I ain't stopping the show for you. Mm. I'll record it with someone else. Mm. <clears throat> Let the world. How are you going to put it on the air? Are you going to put no it on the idea? <laughs> <laughs> Got no idea how to edit it or post it, but I'll find someone. Mm. But it was last week was bad, man. Fucking hell. I was sick as a dog. Absolutely sick as a dog. And uh, that Quincy, I'd never even heard of Quincy. I, I thought Quincy was just that fucking lunchtime uh, detective yeah, show. Yeah, the, the, the doctor who's a detective with the fake tan. Yeah. I didn't even know Quincy was a real thing, man. But apparently Quincy... Uh, what is it? It's like a severe throat infection. There's like tonsillitis, there's severe tonsillitis. It's a cold then, it's a cold. And basically then there's Quincy. Yeah, yeah. So it, it built up. It was like a, basically like a golf ball, a tennis ball in the back of my throat that was just full of pus. But the thing is, your jaw locks. So they have to use a syringe with a needle long enough to go from outside your lips through your mouth <laughs> into the swelling. <laughs> so it basically the syringe she used... I swear to God, they must have used it to fucking artificially inseminate cows. That's how big it was. It's like a big lash. And they put that in your mouth? And they go right through your mouth, right into this swelling, and just suck it out. 
suck out the infection. It was gross, man. I'd say something. It's grim, like. It's done wonder for your weight, hasn't it? I'd say you dropped some. Look at you, son. You're down a light heavy yeah. now. <laughs> Christmas weights off. Look at that. Fucking hell, I'm buzzing. Fucking hell, it's like 16 that. £16 I've gone. It's £16. It's like that Peter K sketch, isn't it? He's done £16 in a day. Dust. <laughs> Dust. I've done the thick. Look at me, I'm like a skeleton. I've done £16 on the day. Honestly. Shattered all out, aren't you, son? Mate, tremendous. Honestly. You're looking fresh. Now. now. You're looking well. Now I'm well. Clothes are a bit baggy. Well, that's what I mean. It's great. Now I'm well. I can get into the size medium underpants. My mum buys me for Christmas every year. Yeah, yeah. So I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling fresh. Mm. Let's get after it. So there you go. Apologies uh, that there was no shows last week, but we're back at it. We're uh, back to uh, to do our thing. And there's been quite a lot to uh, speak about over the last 14 days. We'll probably speak about Eubank and uh, De Gale at some point because De Gale announced his retirement last week, didn't he? So we'll get stuck into that. But first of all, I want to clear something up regarding Jordan Gill, right? Because I've been getting loads of shit on that as well, Sunday through to Monday. I never said that Reese Bellotti would beat Jordan Gill. That's not what <laughs> I have... Fucking hell, you're back. That's not what terrible. I've said. When have I said that? You're on the record. I'm not on you're the record. You're on record of saying Reese Bellotti would flatten Jordan Gill. No, I've not said that. You, Yes, you did. This is what has happened, right? This is what happened. I'll tell you my take on it, Okay. Right? So we are doing our picks for prospects of the year. Not this year, ago. last year. Uh-huh. This is last year, okay? Mm-hmm. Now... I've been to a few shows. I've seen Reese Bellotti. I've seen him spark a few kids. And I thought, I like him. I like aggression. I'm going to pick him, right? Now, he, this clown here, phones Tony Bellew. I'm stuck here, right? Tony, have you got anybody that you know of in the boxing world that can give us a lift? He this goes, is all there's fabrication. A, this is not fabrication. This is fucking there's, pure there's, fabrication. A, there's a kid in my gym. He's absolutely mint. Nobody's seen him. Nobody's seen this kid. He picked him, right? He got lucky. He's what happened. He picked Jordan Gill. I've never said that Jordan Gill will get flattened by Reese Bellotti. That, those words have not come out of my mouth. Like, when have I said that? I never said that. So let's go back about 14 months then, <clears throat> to be more accurate, when we chose our prospects for 2018. Ooh. And I went back through my handwritten notes of small hall shows that That's accumulate. Absolute lies! <laughs> lies! Over don't the course. Come back with your new weight lying on the show. <laughs> Over the course of the year, when I make notes of these small old shows, you know when I'm at Central Area Title Fight That's shows, lies. And the area shows I make notes on these kids. Right. Keep an eye out for him. Watch out for this. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, listen. This is what you do. You're only as strong as your contacts book. Yeah. Ask, ask a few Tom, questions. Tom. Ask a few questions in the industry. <laughs> Mr. Bell, you feeds a bit of information back. Mm. Says, "Listen, son, yeah. you've only seen the tip of the iceberg. The kid can absolutely bang as well. You wait and see." And I was like, "Right, you know what? That will do for me, my friend." So we're having a conversation. Prior to that, don't forget, mm. the year before we did Catalan Robbie Davis, yeah, same weight division again, yeah, which yeah, yeah. is amazing. So we come at it, and you were like, right, we're both going to do featherweights then. How fantastic. My featherweight's going to flatten your featherweight. Your featherweight can't punch, is what you said. Your Jordan Gill kid can't punch. My Reese Bellotti kid's going to flatten him. And it, it didn't play out last year for mm. obvious reasons. Mm. Obviously, Reese lost his way It's never going to play out. He's, they're just on different paths now, my friend. But I think what we're seeing now is the fact that Jordan Gill mm. can absolutely bang. And the reason... Listen, the reason why is... Record isn't full of knockouts, is because he's small all show. Would he go on, go and watch a small all show. There was a small all show in Liverpool at the weekend, I think there was 12 fights on it. At Steve Wood's show, four rounders. Every single fight was either a four or a six rounder, yeah. and every single one went the distance. Why? Because you've got kids in one corner who are learning the trade, and in the other corner, you've got journeymen on 50, 60, 70 fights who have got to not get stopped so they can earn again next week. Jordan Gill's career, his first fucking 15 fights are littered with those guys, guys that. Refuse to engage to get stopped. Now you're seeing Jordan Gill fighting against guys with ambition. Mm. Now you're seeing Jordan Gill timing his shots. Listen, I'm... I preferred it when you couldn't speak. I'm going to be honest with you. Timing and accuracy. Man, that kid has so much talent. He could bring the turn to a glass eye. He said good already. He could tickle himself. You know what I mean. <laughs> He's that good already. He could tickle himself. You know what I mean? He was good. He's sensational, mate. Yeah, sensational. Footwork's outstanding. What well, The thing that I was impressed of at the weekend, more so um, than the accuracy, because he is incredibly accurate. Yeah. I thought he was really patient. I thought he took his time quite well. He yeah. picked his shots. He didn't waste anything. And we knew we know his footwork's mint. Um, it's just exciting. It's so exciting because 
with with De Gale retiring, with Groves retiring, with Bellew now no longer around, there's kind of a there's kind of a gap at this moment in time. Yeah. Look, Frampton looks like he's yeah. on his way down the mountain. Don't get me wrong, AJ's doing his thing, right? And he's going to go on and do his thing. But there's a there's a few weight camp left. Though. That's heavyweight boxing. That's yeah, of course. You don't include heavyweight. But boxing you you want you want a, the next generation to be coming through. We yeah. anticipate that maybe Buatsi will be one of those guys. Yeah. But it's nice to see someone like a Jordan Gill coming through. He's a nice kid. He's a top boy. And for him to be putting performances like that, every time he does step up, he's putting in clinical performances that get you on the edge of your seat. You're thinking to yourself, fucking hell, how fucking this kid go? Yeah. Is he the next, is he that next generation? Is he going to be leading that next generation through to be challenging the very, very top boys in his weight class? 100%. He's got to be because, you know, he's got a world ranking now against Dominguez. Dominguez has only hey, been... did you see, by the way, our <laughs> mate Dougie Fisher? Well, my mate Dougie Fisher. Your mate, not my mate. Yeah, but he says, listen, He's one to watch, Jordan Gill. I've no. I've, fuck what Dougie Fisher. Just wait a minute. Let me finish. Fisher, let me about. finish what I'm saying. He said Golden he's one to watch. Are you going to let me finish? Cool. He says he'll be getting a ring magazine ranking soon, which is massive. Ooh. Stick up your ass, Dougie. We don't need it. <laughs> Listen, Dougie Fisher. Someone's fucking still on antibiotics, aren't they? Look at this lad here. Um, Throwing it, I'm well, saying throwing his weight around, but he's lost it all. I know, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Choo Choo, the Jordan train has left the building, but everyone is welcome. Adam, you are welcome. Come on board. Dougie Fisher, you are welcome. Come on board. Idiot. But do you think the world gives a fuck about him getting a Ring Magazine rating? Idiot. No, we do not, Mr. Fisher. No, we do not. Ring Magazine rating or not, Jordan Gill will fight for a world title. It's not going to be this year. We're in no rush. What's this, weird about it. Shit? What's this weird shit? We've spoken about it. Myself... Jordan, mm. Dave, yeah. Jordan's family. Yeah, your informant, Tony. We know what's happening. Yeah. The kid's on the right path. That's all you need to know. Mm. No, he was outstanding. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I had a little flutter at the weekend uh, on Jordan because I thought, you know what? I put my money where my mouth is. He's going to stop this kid. He's going to make a bit of a statement. Purely based on the fact that Jordan looked so outstanding last time out. It was headlining, you know, first big event headlining in Peterborough. Your momentum was there, you know, I'd spoke to the camp and they were like, he's flying, Nick. you know, he's literally not putting a foot wrong, he's just getting better and better. So I knew the stoppage was coming. You didn't think that early though, did but you? But I just didn't think it'd be that early, no. I, I just thought Dominguez would be, Tough would live up to his reputation, you know, yeah. he's been stopped once in his career and that was against the kid who, uh, who batted dog bow the other week, so, and that kid was a fucking gunslinger. Yeah. So I thought, the kid's got a chin and he'd probably weather a storm, but the, the problem with Jordan Gill is, for opponents this is, I, He's not the biggest puncher in the featherweight division, but he doesn't waste anything. Mm. His timing, his accuracy, his, as you said before, his patience. He's a finisher. He's an absolute finisher. And I think Dominguez was just realised there was levels to this shit. And I think the thing with Jordan Gill, kind of like with Josh Warrington is, when you look at the record on BoxRec, you think, I'll take that fight all fucking day. This kid can't punch. But look at who these people are stopping. Look at who these people are roughing up. And that's the difference. Like, they're getting to that level now. Down the line, it, maybe that's even a fight as well. I know it's early. It's crazy talking about Jordan Gill right now in a fight with Josh Warrington. But fuck me, after performances like that, that's like, like Nas-esque. Do you know what I mean? He's putting in performances where you're going, fuck me, this kid's changing the game. And that's got to be exciting. Look at him. He's on the payroll. Um, another fight at the weekend, which I tipped actually on our uh, social media to get on if you were going to do a bit of betting with our uh, with our betting partner, William Hill, um, was the Erisandi Lara fight. I didn't really... Erisandi Lara's 35 years of age, right? Did you tip a draw? No, I tipped Castano to do him. Oh. Because he was the underdog. That, right. That's what I, uh, that's what I, I tipped. I say, fucking hell, you tipped the draw. Jesus. Um, because I thought Castano was being underrated. He's an undefeated fighter. He's doing extremely well in that weight category. Yeah. And I didn't think, I didn't know how much uh, Lara has left. Listen, Lara has definitely slipped because years and years ago, I used to be bored by Lara fights. Absolutely bored to he'd tears. Win every round. <laughs> yeah, because he'd do it on the back foot, though. Yeah, he'd Cuban, just, he'd Cuban just, style. Yeah, he'd be pop shotting it, very similar to Rigon Dow. Yeah. But now that he's, he's slowing down a bit and his legs are just starting to go. He can get tagged, so he has to get involved in a proper scrap. Yeah, I'd yeah. say something, that's two knocks now. His last two knocks, Heard and the fight at Castano at the weekend. Yeah. Fucking hell, man, he's exciting. I want to see a lot of fight know, because yeah. they're all banging. But what is he now, 72? No, he's 35. Same fucking thing. Mate, he was a banger. And it could have gone either way. I think it's, it's one of the only it's, the it's one of the only draws yeah. that I've seen recently that I can go, yeah, it's a draw. Defo draw, yeah. I thought, to be honest, I thought Lara nicked it. I Did you? Thought, yeah, yeah. I went the other way because I, I like the aggression of Castano and I tipped him to win anyway. So I was yeah. a little bit biased. Well, I think I watched it thinking, 
my and listen, we all do it. Fucking hell, let's be honest. We all do it. The judges do it. We all do it. You judge what I you like. I went into this thinking Lara's going to win this. Right. So any close rounds, I was like, well, Lara's just outboxed them there. He's outfoxed them. But there was times, I, as you say, got to the end and I thought, I ain't complaining. No. I'd like to see another fight. And it's just a shame for Lara because his situation just seems to have plateaued now. You know, he needed a reaction after the Jarrett defeat to keep his name right at the top of the division. And now, for me, the only... Move movement forward for Lara as a rematch with Castano, yeah. whereas Castano's come out of this looking like a bit of a golden boy. Castano now should be pushing for the fight with Heard, should be pushing to move on. Mm. Do you want to talk heavyweight shambles? Well, what, what do you think about the kid on um, on the Gill undercard, the Sims Junior? I like him. Do you not like him? I like him. I just don't know whether he's in the weight, right weight division for me. What what did he weigh there? About twelve and a half stone. Was he was it light heavyweight? I think he's more of a middleweight. I think he could do something as a middle. Yeah, he's in great nick, isn't he? He could probably. He could probably chunky, though. Yeah, he you could know, probably he's got a bit of weight with a bit of beef on him. Were you not happy with the performance? I like the kid. I like everything about him. I just don't think. I think he's... he talks the talk. He's doing the bits in the ring, isn't he? Yeah, I just don't think he's at the ultimate weight division at the moment. I'd love to see him make a statement by coming out as like a as a middleweight. I think I think for this fight he was 12, 12 stone two or whatever. He's just over super middleweight. So I think it was classed as a light heavyweight fight, but it was really a super middleweight fight. But I think Sims Jr. as a middleweight could do something, absolutely do something. Mm. Exciting though. Mm. Um, regarding the farce uh, of the heavyweights uh, last week, we heard that uh, top rank and ESPN, Tyson Fury's new uh, promoter in the States and television broadcaster, uh, uh, applied to the WBC for a little bit of leniency when it came to the Deontay Wilder fight. They've granted that, so therefore he's taking an interim fight. Um, as Bob Arum told me at the weekend, it's an exposure fight. Don't know how much exposure Tyson Fury needs. He rose from the dead in December, you know what I mean, that sent uh, a viral piece of content around the world. I think everybody knows who he is. Um, but they're taking an exposure fight uh, in the interim in the hope of uh, coming back and making that fight at the back end of the year. Just uh, we, we predicted at the start of the year, didn't we, that we're in a little bit of a weird flat time at this moment, especially in the heavyweight division, and we predicted that there'd be more disappointment on the horizon. The only thing is... I didn't expect it to come from Tyson Fury, I'll be yeah. honest. Well, last time we did a podcast two weeks ago, I was like, the glass is half full. Tyson would never do that. He's a fighting man. He doesn't care about the money. And everything I said was utter bollocks. <laughs> everything I said on that podcast two weeks ago was Told you. come back to bite me. <laughs> yeah, come back to bite me in the ass because clearly he slash people around him do care more about money rather than legacy right now. Well, my con- I had a conversation on the radio at the weekend with Bob Arum. And he was, he was having a go at me because he was constantly talking about economics. It's basic economics. I said, I don't care about economics. Exactly. I, give a shit. I said, the fans don't care about economics. They care about seeing the best versus the best. And he was then coming back saying, yeah, but best versus the best at this moment in time is worth 50 million. In a year from now, it's worth 150 million if we do it right. And I said, I don't care about that. Yeah. So that's where we're at this moment in time it is as, as you've rightfully said the money men have had a look at what happened in December and gone yeah we'll have a piece of this no well, problem well, whatsoever ESPN well, have got involved haven't they because they listen they're a big player and they'll make him a superstar there's no question <laughs> about that that was the problem you see ESPN weren't a player in the heavyweight division there was three there's three heavyweights on the planet who can generate interest at the moment and one was with the zone slash Sky Sports one's tied in with Showtime and there was one who was vacant and that's why Bob Adams gone right up fucking well he wanted Wilder's trouser leg he wanted Wilder but Wilder uh, uh, Wilder's team because I spoke to Shelley Finkel as well at the weekend and Wilder's team have said the deal that they were offering was basically then Deontay Wilder's team have no real say in what happens yeah. you know what I mean right now with Al Heyman and the PBC deal and the Showtime deal. They kind of call they call the lion's share of what happens for Deontay Wilder. But if he goes yeah. over to ESPN, he's kind of like, well, you're on your own now. Yeah, yeah. ESPN tell you what to do. Kind yeah, of thing. exactly. And they didn't want to do that. They want to sit down with their, these heavyweight champions, um, AJ and Tyson Fury, and they want to have a discussion about the fight. What's what's the pie? How much? What, what's the percentage of the pie? Right. Okay, then your percentage is this. Our percentage is this, and let's get on with it like that. Don't make me an offer. That's where the that's where according to Shelley Finkel this is, and you've kind of got to take everything with a pinch of salt that you hear at this moment in time. Yeah. But according to him, Eddie Hearn, for example, comes to them with an offer. They don't want an offer. No. They just want to say, right, this is how much fight. This is how much this fight will make. This is what you. This is what we think you're worth. This is what we think we're worth. What do you reckon? Okay, we'll have a little bit. We of have negoti- fight and then we walk away at the end of it. We'll have a negotiation now. There's your forty five percent. There's our fifty five percent. There's our sixty or forty or whatever it may be. Job done. So, so Shelley Finkel saying that's not happening. Shelley Finkel saying, saying that he's not even having a discussion with Eddie Hearn at this moment in time because Eddie Hearn doesn't return his calls. But then, 
didn't they see Shelley Finkel and said, Fury's dead in the water. We're now going to go. Deontay wants us to try and Shelley chase the... Shelley Finkel AJ believes... Talks again. No, no, no. Deontay Wilder said that. Shelley Finkel believes that the Tyson Fury fight will happen later this year. But at this moment in time, they're both taking interim fights. The Brazil fight's going to get announced in the next two weeks for Deontay Wilder, May 18th. Um, and then you've obviously got Tyson Fury, whoever he's going to announce. I mean, Pulev's an ESPN fighter. There's a possibility of that maybe happening. And then they think at the end of the year, it'll come back. But don't be surprised if Eddie Hearn doesn't get his dick out. We all his fucking disown money and go, Deontay, you fancy a piece of the pie? Because according to Deontay Wilder's team, they're not tied to Showtime. Yeah, yeah. He's the only one that's not now not sure. Supposedly. Yeah. He's the only one that's not tied to an actual broadcaster. Yeah. He can go wherever he wants. So he's going to go where the biggest dough is, isn't he? Well, you'd like to think so, but unfortunately not, is it? Because ES- ESPN have the most eyes. The zone of no eyes at this moment in time. That's that, that's fact. They, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they don't have the numbers that ESPN no. have, got but they have. Even close. They've got deep pockets. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I don't think we're going to see it this year. I really don't. Just the more I hear from Eddie, the more I hear from from Frank. a fan's perspective. It's once again, it's so frustrating that boxing it's shoots massive. itself in the foot because politics gets involved. Because we had lightning in the bottle. Three months ago, we had lightning in a bottle. After Wilder versus Fury, and AJ was still the A-side because he generates more sales than anybody, and you were like, fuck me, we've got three guys here that can just go at it. Because let's be honest, you know, barring one of them getting sparked in the opening rounds twice back-to-back against both guys, these guys could fight each other two or three times each. I know. So the next, the next three or four years could be wrapped up with these guys just swapping belts between each other if they played it right. But unfortunately... Because everybody's out for their own. Because everybody's out for their own political gain and their own financial gain. That's what's going to fuck this up. Which team, out of all this then, from let's say from this time last year to where we're at right now, which team has come out with the most credit? Out of the Fury team, the AJ team and the Wilder team? Up until, with the fans? Up until the last seven days, I would say Team Fury. But then the last seven days, signing with the ESPN, allowing Bob Arum to become a voice for Team Fury, allowing Bob Arum to do interviews saying stuff like, <clears throat> it's about economics, it's about this, it's about that. That pisses all over what Team Fury stands for, what Tyson Fury stands for as a fighting man. We'd all bought into that. I think most people have gone like, yeah, man, fucking Tyson Fury's the man. Do you know why? Because he'll go to America and fight Deontay Wilder on Deontay Wilder's terms. He'll get up off the floor in the 12th round. We love him for it. He'll give his money away to the homeless. He's fucking one of us. He'd almost become Ricky Hatton-esque with British fight fans. Whereas AJ, there's still that removal because he very rarely does media. He's run back. He basically, he's, he's, he's basically, you know, he's, he's fabricated almost. You know, he's like Simon Carl wrapped up and packaged. Fury isn't that. But now Fury's starting to feel like that because of the control that Bob Arum and, the, and ESPN have got. Now, don't get me wrong. No doubt the Furies are getting paid handsomely for it. And no doubt, listen, Frank's not daft. Frank realises that, shit, I've got the fucking hottest to, to commodity in the whole division. I can't do this on my own with just BT Sports. I need a US deal. So that's why he picks up the phone to Bob Arum. I get it. But now you've gone against the fact that Tyson Fury become the people's champion. The people's champion doesn't hide behind the ESPN or Bob Adam and go, yeah, it's about economics, let him speak for me now. That's not what the people's champion does. And that's what killed me this week. That's why on my deathbed I was mm. like, fucking <clears throat> hell, I'm, I'm devastated because for me, what was going to make this legacy period, this next two or three years happen, the one thing that was going to make it happen was Tyson Fury's willingness to fight anybody, yeah, anywhere, anytime. Absolutely. And now that's removed from the equation and the money men are involved. Who, knew, who the fuck knows when they're exactly. going to fight each other? Now, what I'm going to say, take this way, I'm only going to give you the facts. I know that there's caveats to everything that I'm about to say, right? I know that there's percentages and there's this was this is a peanuts offer and all this type of stuff, but these are the actual cold hard facts, right? So regarding what's happened over the last, let's say, six months, Tyson Fury was offered the Anthony Joshua fight and he said no. He was offered the Wilder rematch and he said no. His team, mm-hmm. not necessarily him, but his team, that's, that's yeah. the facts. Wilder was offered the AJ fight. He said yes, then he said no. And then he was offered the Wilder rematch and he said yes. He he sat there saying, yeah, we'll still take that. Dillian White was offered AJ. He said no. Mm -hmm. Anthony Joshua's made all those offers. Whatever those offers are, whether they be peanuts, whether they be low ball, whatever they are, he's made the offers. Yeah. So for me, out of them all, now, AJ comes out with the most credit. Yeah. It's it's certainly starting to feel that way. Whether Whether you're low balling people or not, doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Of course it matters. But the facts are he's made those offers. Yeah. Now, from let's say from Dillian White's point but of view. But don't forget, Wilder made an offer as well. Did he? No, well, well, this is it. No, but this... Well, yeah, but you saying that, though. Did he make an offer? Yeah, but you saying that 
you can't report it as facts that Matchroom made offers to all, all them offers as facts and then say... Yeah, but everybody's confirmed yeah, that. But, yeah, the but Wilder other, didn't then. Yeah, but Wilder, the, the other sides have we confirmed We know Wilder that. made an offer of $50 million. He says he did. Right? But he, even Eddie Ian said, where is the $50 million right, then? Right, exactly. So they must have made it. Whether it was legit or not, they made an okay, offer. Okay, all right. Because AJ and Eddie Ian went, Eddie Ian, didn't he come up and went, where's the $50 million? Okay. Show me where it is and we'll fucking take the fight. Right, sound. Okay. I'll give you that then. Deontay Wilder made okay, an so, offer. Okay, so to get back on your side then, yeah. AJ accepted it. All they wanted is proof of funds and they couldn't produce proof of funds. So you're right. So AJ has offered it to fight everybody and everybody's turned them down. And the one fight AJ seems to be offered for 50 million fantasy dollars or real dollars, AJ accepted, but they couldn't prove funds. Mm. So you're right. So maybe AJ is the fucking guy we should be going. He's offered to fight everybody. And he's accepted a fight on the pretense, and he's allowed to do that. Go, I will take that fight for fifty million dollars. All I need you to do is, because you've got no TV deal and you've never made that much money in your entire career, show me proofs of funds. And they weren't able to do that while this team. So maybe you're right. Maybe AJ is the fucking guy that we should be looking to. Now the flip side of that is, and I get Bell, you commented on this at the time as well. It's like you fight AJ okay they offered Dillian White money to fight AJ and this is the this is the big one I know what you're going to say now this is the big one the other two I get as to why maybe they're arguing about percentage splits the Dillian White one I don't anymore no because Dillian White is the the guy on the outside of the goldfish bowl absolutely he needs to break in there he's got to break in now if they said to him here's the money it's the same as you earned for Chisora or slightly well, less more. or slightly more or whatever it was last time it was originally fought. less but they offered him more so they offered him you fight part of 5 million quid so Dillian White then has got to go, right, okay, I'm going to fight for five million quid. The guy I'm fighting is probably going to earn 30 million quid, Fuck 50 that. million that's quid, not your whatever. Concern. That's not your means concern. means nothing. Yeah. means absolutely nothing. Because the difference is if you can beat that guy, if you believe in yourself, if he beats AJ, then he becomes, okay, maybe in the rematch, he doesn't get 50-50, but he's certainly going to get more than five million quid or whatever it may be. Because... At the end of the day, his, his, his manager is still Eddie N. You know, Eddie N said to me, looked me in the face and gone, of course, my priority is AJ because he's the heavyweight champion of the world. And Dillian White knows that. Mm-hmm. But if Dillian White beat AJ, then his priority would have to become Dillian White because Dillian White would be the heavyweight champion of the world. So Dillian, it's not like Dillian's going to get fucked off and go, well, you've just beat AJ. You've, you've screwed up all our plans. So you've got to do the rematch and you're only getting two million this time. That just wouldn't, wouldn't work. Of course it wouldn't. He had to gamble on himself and he chose not to gamble on himself. And that was the disappointing thing from Dillian White because that was his opportunity to break into this circle. Well, a penny for his thoughts now because everything, the way that this is going to play out now is an absolute mess because he must, I know he was asked this on the TV at the weekend, he must regret not taking that fight. 100%. April 13th, Wembley, that's the fight that he was offered for 5 million quid because if you think about it, Fury's probably going to fight someone like Pulev because they're on the same network. Mm, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe something like that. All right, yeah. something like that. Wilder Brazil looks like it's going to get announced in the next couple of weeks. Now, Brazil was supposed to be mandated to be fighting White for that mandatory slot, but why would Brazil do that if he's getting a shot at the exactly. title anyway? So Don't he's chance. going to crack on with that. Usyk is rumoured to be having a knock with Povetkin. So that only leaves... AJ Miller, is that still happening now? Or yeah, AJ that... Miller's cracking on. Yeah, yeah. So that... That, that only... leaves Dillian White. Dillian White, Luis Ortiz. You don't want none of that fucking shit. No. Do you? For buttons as well. For what though? And and then what? For what? Where does it get him to? Because it's all right talking about. Oh, I'm going to wait for a mandatory situation, so therefore I get a bigger percentage split of whatever pot it is to fight one of the champions. But as we've just been saying for God knows how long, WBC don't call mandatories. No. Donnie Stevenson, with cruiserweight champion, I don't think he had a mandatory for five years. Yeah, yeah. Like heavyweight champion, sorry. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you know, it just doesn't happen. The WBO situation. Now that that's another one, right? So he's number one with the WBO. When Usyk eventually announces that he's stepping up, because he was the champion at the previous weight, he will automatically ov- ov- he'll jump over him. He'll become the mandatory, the WBO yeah, yeah. mandatory. So Dillian White's still waiting. Yeah. And nobody's going to take him because even though even though there's better boxers in this heavyweight division than Dillian White, he's dangerous. He can whack, as he's proven last year. Now, don't get me wrong. He knocked out Lucas Brown, who I think is awful. He came through a Joseph Parker fight where if there's another three minutes in that fight, Joseph Parker probably wins that fight because Dillian's out on his feet. And in the Derek Chisora fight, Derek Chisora's beaten him until he chins him, but that's the point. Yeah. He's got the equaliser. He could chin you. Yeah. It's going to be... In- 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him because now he's he's not been in the ring since December. The rumour is that it's going to be July since he's back in. That's the longest Dillian White's been out of the ring, six months. And don't forget And who's well, he going to fight? The only other avenue... Joe Joyce is chasing that stupid Manuel Char fight for the regular WBA world title belt. Joe Joyce apparently has got that locked down too. Mm. So Joe Joyce is going to become the junior world champion for the WBA. So he's not going to get the WBA route either. So, as you say, it's it's one of them opportunities where Dillian took a chance. He rolled the dice, didn't he? He took a chance and thought, fuck it. He's been advised badly, I think. I think he would have taken but, the fight. I think, he, I, I think he would have taken it. I just think his team's badly advised him. I'm gutted for him. I've got to be honest. I'm absolutely gutted for him. because he, he, should be fight, he should be fighting him. You're talking about Brazil. You're talking about Miller. You're talking about Pulev. Talking about, but none of those guys deserve a title shot before Dillian White. Yet they're all going to get a shot before mm. Dillian White. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're all willing to roll the dice. Because they know if any of those guys win against Wilder, against Fury, against Joshua, mm. they're in the mix then. Mm. They're in the mix with the big books. Because then you can go, I'll tell you what, fuck the rematch off. I'll give this belt up, I'll go and fight. Because uh, there's so much money involved. If you beat Fury or you beat a Wilder or even an AJ, it's not even just the rematch money. You can go, I'll tell you what, fuck the belts off then. I'm going to go, because it's a Wilder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say you beat AJ. Let's say someone fucking Miller somehow lands a crazy fucking haymaker and sparks out AJ. Never going to happen. The rematch money's good, no doubt. Of course it is. But you know what's also good? Team Wilder going, fuck me, come and fight our guy. Come and fight Wilder so Wilder can go, well, I'm going to knock out the guy who beat AJ, so I don't even have to fight AJ no more. And then Wilder keeps a shitload of the money. He gets... Mate, if you, it's like cashing a lottery check, just taking that fight. And that again, that comes back to Dillian White. Was he badly advised in the, in the initial discussions to go, mate, five million quid in Wembley? You'll have a big crowd there. Plus, there's an a big upside. Following anyway. That's five million basics, so there's an upside. There will have been pay-per-view pay- as well. Pay-per-view points on that as well. You win, not only have you got the rematch clause, but you've also got the opportunity to fight potentially Tyson Fury, potentially, you know, you're, you're right in the mix. Mm. You're right in the mix. Anyway, that's the heavyweight scene at this morning time. More disappointment it's on the horizon. because we're talking about it. We're excited about it. Everyone in the country is talking about the heavyweight. Everyone in the world is talking about the heavyweight division again. Yeah, but it's and easy. It doesn't seem like it's moving forward. It isn't now. moving forward. We've just fucking gone bang, and it's a brick wall. We've we've had a taste of the good stuff in December, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. And now we've, we've had champagne. Spoiled. We've had champagne, and now we're back on Aldi's fucking lager for yeah, a bit. That, are, that's yeah. where we're at, sadly. Um, James DeGale Gale called time on his career off the back end of a defeat to Chris Eubank Jr. Um, I'm delighted he's done this uh, because. Listen, James James DeGale could still get himself in fights because of the name that James DeGale is. And uh, you probably get excited about those particular fights. But what's the point? He's achieved everything that he needed to achieve. He's banked a lot of cash. Probably uh, earned him nearly 10 million quid, you would think, from his career. He's won an Olympic gold medal. He's become a two-time world champion. Uh, and his legacy is most certainly short. He's in the history books, and I'm glad that he's called time on it because being ringside in the fight against Chris Eubank Jr., I know that we weren't here last week because you fucking pretended to be Stephen Hawking and what have you, um, but he slipped a lot. Now, a lot of people will go crazy. We knew, that, we knew that, though. A lot of people will go crazy to the fact of saying that Eubank Jr. looked amazing. Listen, Eubank Jr. didn't look amazing. I'm not taking anything away from Eubank Jr. He's most certainly improved on the Nate Vasquez, most certainly. There was jabs there, there was better footwork, and there was there was more patience in his uh, approach to his fighting, and he most certainly deserved to win. I, I think I scored it 117-110 or something, with a point uh, taken off him or what have you. Yeah. Um, but the reason for me as to why that gap was so wide is because of the amount of uh, James DeGale has slipped. His footwork weren't there. His reflexes weren't there. He was leaning in. He was walking. James DeGale doesn't walk onto straight right hands. He just doesn't do that. No. And he was doing that all night long. It, it was quite an easy night's work, really, for uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Again, not taking anything away from him. It's a great name on his resume, but I'm glad that James DeGale's called time on his career because he is... Uh, that Barry Jack fight's taken a lot out of him, mate. He's not the same dude. No, he isn't. And... Um... You know, I've got a I've got a weird relationship with James. You know, I'm, I'd like to think we're friends now, but years ago, <laughs> years ago, we uh, we had a falling out, and uh, you know, I was I was so happy to be proved wrong by me him. and Junkie are tight. We're tight. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, I'm I'm great with him now. I've, I, as I say, we've got a good relationship now. But when he first turned pro, I wrote I wrote a piece did nice saying that he's uh, he, he won't be the first Olympic gold medalist from GB to to win a world title. I just didn't think he had the the discipline to do it. But 
you know what? His talent, he, do you know his talent proved that he, he, despite the fact that he didn't have the discipline of a saint, despite the fact that he wasn't a monk, um, his talent alone yeah. got him to where he needed to be. Going into the Olympics, by the way, he was an 80 to 1 underdog to win that gold medal. Yeah. 80 to 1. Yeah. Fantastic achievement. Unbelievable. In order to be able to do it. Absolutely unbelievable. And as I say, you know, he, he went on to make history, and that will never, ever be taken away from James DeGale. His legacy mm. is assured now. Because of the fact that he is the first ever Team GB gold medalist to become a world champion. And all credit to him. What I'm gutted about James, and I say I, I know him now, I say we fell out big time because he spent a lot of time in Liverpool. Back back when yeah. back when De Gale was about to win the Olympic medal and all that, Liverpool was amateur boxing in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was there, you know. He's mates with Stephen Smith the, the and City Bell, was, you Not only was the city absolutely rammed with talent, but everyone because because it was such a hotbed, everyone from the country around the country would come to Liverpool to train for weeks and spar and everything else so it was just like a hotbed so everyone knew each other and all that and obviously I knew what James's personality was like and I just didn't think he had the mentality for the pro game but it proved me wrong and I'm, I'm delighted to say he did and now I know him later on now I know him on a personal level and what a nice lad he is what a family man he is how loyal he is don't yeah. forget how loyal, loyal he was to his coach Yeah, you know not once did he walk away and I, you know at the end of the day for me, I think the fighter makes the coach a lot of the times rather than the other way around. But he was 100% loyal, even though he spent a lot of time fighting in America, making money in America. Um, known James now, known Chunky now at personal level, I'm just gutted he never had a moment where the British fans kind of Got give, give him a night to go, that was your night. That was that was your night. All his nights were in America. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. never had a home night. He never had a he never had a home win where you went. That was the night, chunky. That was the night he'll take to his grave and go fucking I sold out Wembley. Yeah, blah blah. All all the fans were there for me. Everyone supported. I was on point. It happened. And I think that's all he ever wanted, really. Wasn't he did. It? And he I, just wanted that love. And it's just such a shame that because he's he's made history. You know, he's he's a history making boxer. And he will forever be a two-time world champion. Don't give a fuck who he fought in the rematch, who the guy was, whatever. The record books say he was a two-time world champion. Mm. But he never had that moment. And there's, there's fucking kids who win Midlands area titles in their backyards that have that moment. Mm. Sam Eggington's had about fucking four of those moments. He's nowhere near the talent that James DeGale is or nowhere near going to achieve what James DeGale achieved over the course of his year. But Sam Eggington, for some reason, fate decided that he would have a moment in Birmingham, where he would beat Frankie Gavin, or he would beat a former world champion in Paulie Malignaggi. He's had these moments where you can go, fucking hell, son, that was your night. Yeah. James never had that night, and that, that's, the only, that's the only thing. At the end of his career now, you're right, he's getting out at the right time because he, he, is, he isn't the fighter he once was before, and his legacy is assured, but I'm just gutted for him on a personal level that he never got the love that maybe his talent deserved. We've had some uh, correspondence from uh, Fight Disciples on the James DeGale retirement. Um, obviously, loads of well wishes, uh, but this one stood out for me. Um, this is from um, Carl in Nottingham. It says, uh, he was a great fighter. You've got to have massive respect for him. But was he the best of the best? He wasn't. If we'd have met, I'd have been too strong for him. I'd have backed him up and absolutely smashed him to bits. Happy retirement, James. Love Carl Frotch. There you go. He's unreal, isn't he? He's frotchy. He doesn't give a fuck. I'm just surprised he didn't mention 80,000 at Wembley in that fucking statement. I love, I love, like you get him on to do radio programs and stuff like that and you just think, where's he going to go with this? Is he just going to like, is he going to tone it down? Is he just going to say, listen, yeah, great career. He's achieved all he needs to achieve. Leave it there, Carl. Yeah, yeah. Leave it there. It's sweet, mate. Why do you have to then go, you? I'd have fucking smashed him. He can't resist it, can he? He just can't. He can't stop himself. It's weird. It's weird because you know what? I, again, I love him. I've, I've, I love him too. even more now around, because I've, he's such an asshole. I love him even more. I've been more. around Frotch so many times. You know, fucking back in the British title days. You know, I remember going down to Nottingham and there was a mini riot after he smashed Tony Dodson to bits. My old mate Tony Doddo, and um, even then. There was an, a weird air about him, do you know what I mean? He always travels in a pack. There's always, like, Frotch and his nine brothers or whatever it is, you know? There's always, like, a fucking weird thing about him. And yet, when he fights, he's one of the best fighters I've ever seen. He's so entertaining. He's so entertaining. He's always in amazing fights. What he achieved in his career is unbelievable. Yeah. Especially, like, I know I know Frotch back in the amateur days as well. I remember being in St. George's Hall back in the day, multi-nations tournaments. Carl Frotch was a teenager. And... The Team GB coaches or the Team England coaches, whatever it was, were basically fucking dragging Carl Frotch out the dressing room. He used to get so bad nerves, he'd, he'd just go, no, take the gloves off. I don't want to box. 
Paul Frotch, can you imagine that? Yeah. The career he's had, the performances he's had, that he would be racked with nerves the way he was. Absolutely bonkers. But his personality is fucking insane. It's great, isn't it? It's like, Carl, man, just give the guy his moments. No. Just give him his moments. It's all about it's me. It's not about you. No, it is. It's all about me. <laughs> right, how can I shoe on myself <laughs> into this interview? Ace, isn't he? Great. Yeah. Anyway, well done, Junkie. <laughs> Sensational uh, achievements in your career, I think. Mate. I think history will be a lot kinder to Chunky I do. than right now. I think right now we don't appreciate what he's done. Mm. But as I say, he will forever have on his gravestone whatever, you know, long, hopefully he has a long life. Yeah, yeah. He will forever have first that ever. statement. The first ever British boxer mm. to go Olympic gold and world title. No one can ever take that away. Mm. Fucking amazing. Uh, Sports Billy Joe Saunders uh, at the weekend. He, were, he was on the show having a little bit of a chinwag. Did you see them rumours that his fucking hand got blown I up asked in him. some kind of raid? I asked him. He said it were absolute bollocks. <laughs> I said it's nicely. Nice. Well, first of all, I said the the way we started the conversation was uh, it's nice to uh, speak to you. I thought uh, <laughs> I thought that uh, you might have been in an altercation this afternoon. He goes, "No, it's all internet nonsense." Said that uh, in his community, there's a bit of jealousy knocking about and people spread loads of bullshit or, and what have you. So that's the word from him. He said that everything that you saw on the internet the weekend's a lot of nonsense. But one thing that did come out of that conversation with uh, Billy Joe now. What I'm liking about him at this moment in time is that he's holding his hands up to a lot of mistakes that he made last year. And I said this to him, I said, after the Lemieux fight, I thought, mate, we are on. 2018 is the yeah. year of Billy Joe. You're going to take them all down. But you fucked it up. You, and it was your own, all your own doing. And he admitted that. He held his hands up. He said, listen, I've learned a lot from that. You know what I mean? Sometimes you do, you know, you get complacent in life and all those types of things. And when you fuck up and you lose maybe the love of some of the fans and you do all these stupid things, as he has done over the last uh, 12 months, it refocuses you. Yeah. Uh, and all I want to do is get back to boxing and doing my thing. So then I said, so why are you taking the, why are you then moving up in weight in order uh, to fight a kid that nobody's ever heard of when you've got an opportunity to go and fight maybe Demetrius Andrade and regain your WBO belt? Well, I always wanted to be a, a, a multi-weight world champion. Get the it. opportunity is ordered to do that, which yep. you said a couple of weeks ago. Brilliant. Why not go and do that? And it opens up another division for me. I said, right, sound. But we're in a situation at this moment in time where we don't know if that belt's vacant. And he goes, yes, I know this. So the geezer, uh, Ramirez, who's supposed to step up to light heavyweight, is supposed to have vacated his belt. Yeah. According to Nat, to the WBO now, he hasn't vacated that belt, so he's still the champion. So there's, I the, thought he was vacating because he was getting the media title shot at light well, heavy. Well, this is it. We don't, know, we don't know what the situation is right at this moment in time. Nobody right. knows what it is. And speaking to Billy at the weekend, he doesn't know what it is. He says right. it's not looking promising uh, that the fight uh, with a Sufi... Uh, will be for the WBO Super Middleweight Championship. And if it isn't for the WBO... no point. Well, this is it. He said, if it's not for the WBO Super Middleweight Championship belt, um, I will not be doing that fight. I will go back down and hopefully start to renegotiate the situation with Demetrius Andrade for the for the shot there. Um, he says, it's an oversight by the WBO. Um, it's not Frank's fault. It's not his fault. They were just told that this belt's vacant. Let's go for it. If it's not vacant, then it'll be a WBO problem. So you'd think administration-wise, yeah. they would then... Just go back to how it was. Of course. Where, because at the moment, they've put Triple G as the, yeah, the number yeah, one yeah. for the WBO. So you'd think that everything would go back to normal. And then the, the, the negotiation period between Andrade and Saunders would pick up again. So the, the world's changed slightly in that regard for last time we so, spoke about it as well. And that fact that this coalition between Warren and Bob Aaron might well extend further that they can go, tell you what. That ESPN show that we're going to get Tyson headlining against fucking A and other, let's put a bid in for the Boo Boo Andrade fight and make that as co-main event. Because I said to you, the reason well, the Andrade fight wasn't going to happen is BT Sports and Frank don't want to see one of their prized assets fuck off to another network again. Billy Joe's already done that 100%. once. So, but now you've got potentially ESPN in the corner. Yeah. You go, right, okay, Tyson Fury's the main event. Billy Joe Saunders, Demetrius Andrade, let's put a bid in for it for Pierce Bids. Let's get that on ESPN as well. Two traveling boys, top of the card, sell that fucking great, and that'll go down brilliantly. So maybe that's what they're thinking. But I, I still think if Ramirez... So, so basically, it's like a deck of cards now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If Ramirez can negotiate with Kovalev, that's going to happen. Billy Joe moves up. Makes sense to me, I get it. If Ramirez can't negotiate a straight fight with Kovalev then it all comes back down. And Billy, I'm actually listen, more Billy Joe's a middleweight. He's yeah, a middleweight. I'm so. more delighted if the super middleweight thing doesn't happen. I yeah, want him well, to stay at middleweight. I want it, Listen, the Andrade fight, I don't think it'll be amazing. I think it'll be a chess match. But I then think it opens up the potential for Canelo, Jacobs, Charlo, Triple 100%. G. That's what it opens up, and that's what yeah, I want yeah. to see Billy And in. we stay away from. And listen, I don't want to see you bank Billy Joe Saunders too. Absolutely not. So that uh, that's the good thing about Billy Joe staying away from the super middleweight is if he wins that WBO, 
I guarantee he does a unification fight with Eubank. What do you mean a unification well, fight? Well, you know, a WBO you, defense. Did you, have you just Eubank. referred to the IBO as a unification <laughs> fight, you melt? Oh, get me my antibiotics. Fucking, I'll get back on the Stephen Hawkins, mate. That's what it is. A <laughs> uh, quick one on the World Boxing Super Series as well. Um, I is know, that still going? Yeah, I know that a few people uh, saw tweets last week from the World Boxing Super Series that Baranchik's trainer has said, listen, we're all guns blazing for May 18th. We're going towards Josh buzzing. Taylor. Listen, don't get too buzzed about it because David McWater, he's the businessman. He's the guy behind Baranchik. He's his manager and he has said listen it's all right the trainer saying that we're training for x y and z because we are we are training the lads in the gym he's doing his thing yeah and at this moment in time in his head he's training for that fight because it might still happen right now though it's not happening because he is not in the world boxing super series we have not ironed out our problems regis progress has ironed out his problems he will be fighting kiro relic so that will go ahead josh taylor at this moment in time does not have an opponent for may 18th that is where we are at I'll keep you up to date with it, all right? Uh, this weekend, the fights this weekend, there's some absolute bangers. Sadly, they're all over in the States. Um, well, they're not all over in the States. Go on. My boy Triple D's back this weekend, isn't he? Oh, it's on Friday night, though, isn't Daniel it? Daniel Royal... Yeah, but they're knocking over fucking tin cans. On Friday night, the Royal Albert Hall. I was speaking to uh, Anthony Yard at the weekend. He's uh, got himself a fight on that. He's top of the bill. He'll knock over a tin can, and then maybe, depending on what happens with that WBO situation, he'll get called for the Kovalev fight. There you go. Mm. We're not going to say anything more on that. Triple D's uh, involved. I'm, listen, I'm just looking forward to seeing Triple D because you know, how, you know how highly I rank him, and uh, you know that Kojuan Kojunu, yeah, um, has been in a decent level, so it is a decent step up for him. Um, but also Liam Williams defending his middleweight British title. I thought he was fucking absolutely outstanding against Teflon. Yeah. So I'm excited to look forward to that as well. So you've pissed all over me chips because I kind of I'm looking forward to Friday. Well, so you look forward you. to you look forward to it. Then. I'm fucking looking forward well, I'm to Frank's show. I'm more looking for look at you looking for a job. Get your roll right. neck off. <laughs> right. I'm, looking, well, neck I'm off. looking more forward to Saturday night and the reason for that is because Bibble's fighting. You know I'm a massive fan and our boy Moore Hooker's on the card so how can yeah, you look more, how can you look more forward to Friday than Saturday when Moore's in town? I, did, I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. I didn't you did. Ish. Uh, Bivol taking on Joe Smith Jr. I think it's a great fight for the WBA light heavyweight championship of the world. Bivol will stop him late. That's my prediction Ooh. on that even though Joe Smith is tough as old boots. Joe Smith is tough as fuck. Um, Mohooker versus Mikel Lespierre. I saw some uh, people actually bigging up uh, Lespierre going into this fight for the WBO uh, Super Lightweight Championship. Mohooker, I think, will get a, a decision victory in this fight. Callum Johnson's also on this card against Sean Monahan. Sean Monahan's yeah, decent. Um, but I'm going to go and say that Callum Johnson will get a late stoppage in this fight as well. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Obviously, Callum, I think they flew out uh, before the weekend. Mm. I think they've, they've gone over there with plenty of time, like with Joe. So I'm excited to see this card just because I'm excited to see Callum bounce back. You know, he took the fight that nobody else wanted in the division. It's a good fight. Um, Sean Monaghan's a good fight. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But this is the level he's at now. You know, once you once you jump up against Dimitri Bivol, once you jump into world title class, you can't come back down Bitterbiev, sorry, yeah, you can't come back down. The problem with the problem with Callum here is he looks like he's been set, getting set up to fight Bivol next. Which it, 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 the problem, this mate, it doesn't matter what champion you fight. Era, it doesn't any, matter what champion no, you fight in this weight category. No, no, they're all nutters. In any other year, Callum Johnson could be, well be a world champion by now. But mm. the, the fucking light heavyweight division is mm. so strong, so strong. Um, but there's big names out there. How mad, right? Is that you look at light heavyweight and you go, the weakest champions Kovalev. Yeah, no, exactly. It's mad, isn't it? And that's just purely because of age, even though he looked mint yeah. last time out. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Mm. But I'm like you. I expect Bivol to make a bit of a statement. He usually does. Joe Smith, as tough as he is, he can be hit. Um, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for three stoppages, me, because I'm romantic like that, aren't you? Aren't I? So that's only because our betting partner does in round betting. So well, you're trying to make I mean. a few so quid. I'll pick some rounds <laughs> out, but I, I fancy Callum Johnson. Mo Hooker and Dimitri Bivol all to get the job. Any blowouts? Any? Any? Do you think anybody's going to absolutely smash through someone Bivol there? I think Bivol could do. Yeah, I think Bivol could think? get rid of Joe Smith Junior in a couple of rounds. Yeah, even wow. though Joe Smith Junior is tough as fuck. I, I can see say. them all going late. As I said, more on points later on. Yeah. There you go. That's happening in the states. Also in the states, the WBC uh, welterweight crown will be defended by Sean Porter. He's taking on Jordinis. Ugas, I think it'll be a, a routine victory. It'd be nice to see maybe Sean Porter make a statement, actually, because as um, the majority of these welterweights that we talk about on a week-by-week basis, he's probably the one that we don't mention as much as the others because yeah. of the devastating power and the way that they go about uh, their business, the likes of the Crawfords and the Spence of this world. 
I'd love Porter to make a proper statement, and but I can't see him getting on the mic and giving it the big one because he's such a nice lad. He's just top kid, isn't he? Gets on the mic, goes, yeah, I'm just doing my business, you know what I mean? I'll take on anybody, blah, blah, blah. No, get on there and say, listen, these two clowns that are fighting next week, Spence and Garcia, I'll fight that one. Whoever that is, let me get, let, let's get it on with him. Yeah, absolutely. And because the division needs it as well because there's so much talent in this division. And yet, it, do, it doesn't seem to be getting the headlines it deserves, you know, because it's just not clicking together. Obviously, Danny Garcia's skipped, um, fucking Mikey Garcia's skipped over this weight division. Um, and everyone's attention to be drawn. And by the way, that fight happens in two weeks. Oh my God, that's fucking amazing. 16th, yeah. Holy shit. Um, but you're right. There's like, there's so much talent in this weight division mm-hmm. that. Porter's got to go in there, man, and make, his, and he, and make a bit of a claim. He's got the best belt. He's the champ. He's the WBC. Yeah, yeah. He's the main guy. So he's got to make a bit of a statement. I'd love to see the rematch with Thurman, but as you say, he's such a nice guy. This has got distance written all over it, obviously. The Cuban kid knows how to handle himself. and I expect Porter to win, but this has got points written all over it. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, so there you go. There are your fights uh, this weekend. Are, are you feeling a bit flat with boxing at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, I am, yeah. It's a weird feeling, isn't it? <clears throat> I just think the heavyweight, the whole heavyweight scene was such a fucking kick in the bollocks, wasn't but it? But is it that? Or is it just because it seems that everybody's attention seems to be America? Yeah. But then that's... Listen, we, we were littered with shows this time last year. We were wanking all over ourselves last year because we were like, ah, oh, the UK is the home of world boxing, the UK is where it's happening, blah, blah. And then we were like, woohoo, the zone have put a million quid in Eddie Ian's pocket. Wow, UK boxing's buzzing. Really, no, that was America making a statement going, you think it's happening in the UK? There's no fucking money in the UK. This is the home of boxing, son. And we've had our asses spanked, and right now, that's why Callum Johnson's fighting in America this weekend. It, the, the shift has 100% gone back over there. We're seeing AJ, he's going to New York to fight Jarrell Miller. Mm. We're not getting the big fight to win anymore because boxing is red hot. Boxing is buzzing right now there's so many great champions and America seems to be waking up to it again America's going wait a minute this fucking boxing stuff is absolutely exploding again let's get back involved Mm. talk about it all the time the whole shape of boxing is as strong as the heavyweight division and the heavyweight division is exciting again people want to see it so people want to see boxing again and which is why the American audience is waking up to it Mm. and we're going to suffer because we're not going to get the fights we were getting. We're not going to get the fucking, the pound for pound stars, the Usyk's over here anymore, or the fucking, you know, the Pedraza, anyone like that. We're not going to get the big names anymore. We're going to have to travel again. Hence the reason why Crawler's traveling, Khan's traveling, AJ's traveling. 18 months ago, all them fights that have happened in the UK. Hmm. You're getting Jordan Gill though. Fucking right, we're getting Jordan Gill. Get on him now. Choo-choo-choo. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening to us. It's been an absolute pleasure finally being back, uh, making a show. Um, if you have only just come across us, you can subscribe via iTunes. Our website is fightdisciples.com. There's loads of bits and bats going up there uh, in the not too distant future and all over social media too. At Fight Disciples on Facebook and Twitter, uh, at The Fight Disciples on Instagram. Please come and be a part of that. And our YouTube channel is at Fight Disciples. There's another episode as well up uh, on that website, uh, all to do with the UFC. So if you're a mixed martial arts fan, there's something to get stuck into. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye, bitches. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.